begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris, aka Star Raptor, here for the Outer Rim Transmission Podcast. This is episode number 83 on the docket for this week. We have not one, but two Disney Plus releases to talk about, plus some publishing updates on that front and more. So we're going to get into all those this week on the podcast. How's it going, Milton? We missed you last week. How's everything going? Oh, I mean, overall, I'm good, man. It's just today you guys can't see me if you're watching because, you know, technical <laughs> difficulties. However, you can hear me. Um, I'm very grateful for that. But other than that, though, I'm good and just I'm ready to get into the uh, podcast. Heck yeah. What about you, Ben? Uh, are you are you getting snow or is it just kind of missing you at this point? Because it looks like New York's getting hit hard. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me so far, luckily, I haven't been getting hit with snow. It's more of just, you know, like 20 degrees around here. So it's very cold. Um, and yeah, it's just been pretty chill like that. I have a, I have a, I have a friend who's, who's lives in Buffalo and he's like getting blasted. He's sending me all kinds of pictures on like Snapchat and stuff. And it literally looks like it's Hoth. Like it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I don't know the people that are there, you know, any of our, if our, any of our viewers or listeners are there, you know, of course be safe and you know, Hey, when you're, when you're inside, just enjoy, uh, enjoy the podcast when you're just chilling out over, over this weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it came very suddenly. You know, it's not a weather podcast. Get get to the point, guys. But I'll, I'll be <laughs> honest, it's just like whoa. Like one day it's like sixty five here, next day it's like up. Oh, Got to break out the winter coat already. So uh, I'm kind of over this already. But um, at least we got some some cool Star Wars stuff to talk about and, and keep us warm and, and turning on the fire and getting cozy up to some good old uh, action in the galaxy far, far away. So does anybody have anything in particular they want to talk about first when it comes to Star Wars and their week in general? Honestly, I haven't really had much um, stuff with Star Wars. I mean, except for watching Andor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys are going to be a little surprised with my reaction the last couple episodes. But yeah, I think my focus has been just on like Andor um, and dealing with that. So, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think it's going to be a very short segment this week because I got nothing. <laughs> I, got, I don't have any new Hasbro toys, which is good on my part. I'm saving up for the celebration in Europe, which is not going to be cheap after calculating all those budget expenses. Um, so I really got to cut down anyway. Um, but I'm still continuing to read through this big, big tome here of the creation of of the Star Wars The High Republic. And it's really cool because it's not just the High Republic tidbits, but we're getting tidbits in this book. It's, you know, the author is uh, Kristen Baber, who does the Star Wars show every week on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of stuff about George Lucas in here. There's a lot of stuff about uh, just early development of stuff like the prequels because it's they're treating this series as a movie essentially with hey what do you do when you make a movie you, you start throwing ideas at a whiteboard and you start making uh, concept art so there's one of the concept artists that was hired by george lucas that worked on this project his name's ian mccake and he is one of the guy he is the guy that created the concept for padme created the concept for darth maul so they got this guy in there and he's talking about his his process and all that and i just got done reading a passage about 10 minutes ago relating to jedi and celibacy and jedi and having sex and all this stuff and, and apparently like it's cited in this book that George Lucas on a BBC interview back in 2000 or something in promotion of Attack of the Clones literally said it word for word. He said, yeah, Jedi could have sex, but they just can't have attachments. <laughs> they can't 
be possessive yep. of anybody. So there goes that long-standing argument that I see pop up on Twitter when it comes to the higher public, because there are plenty of relationships there, uh, things happening. Um, it's, yeah, that can happen. And even the maker himself had confirmed that like 20 years ago. So there you go. So yeah, I've just been pouring <laughs> over this book and uh, trying to get through this because uh, we got another Higher Public book coming out the following week, uh, Convergence uh, by Zareta Cordova. So I want to try to... That's all I'll be doing the rest of the weekend is uh, if it is snowing, I don't know. I'll be just sitting here regardless reading this book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, that sounds that sounds like a really good plan for the weekend with it being the, that uh, cold out. And I mean, hey, like you said, even with it not snowing where I am, for example, it's still 20 degrees out. Who's going outside to just sit in that in that weather? Not me. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, like I, I, I'm good. And especially around here where I live, it's open fields everywhere. So we're getting like wind gusts up to like 35, 40 mile an hour. So it is cold. Um, but yeah, that's, it's funny that you bring that up, Chris, about that interview with George Lucas. Like I remember like looking into that or hearing that interview, hearing about that interview years ago, probably, probably when I was in college, like in 2013 or 14, like I remember hearing about that interview. And the funny thing is even back then, even to this day, it's funny hearing about it because it's like, so yeah, George Lucas is basically saying he's he's cool with Jedi, like living in like a hookup culture. As long as you don't date, like it's cool to hook up, just can't date. <laughs> um, so it's just it's just kind of funny hearing that. But uh, but hey, I mean, there's that. And then uh, yeah, like for me, I didn't really have much of an eventful Star Wars week either. Like you guys, like like you said, we have Andor, we have that uh, that Dust Bunny special thing that happened, and then we had. You know, pretty much no other Star Wars news for the most part um, overall. So it's just kind of like, it's been kind of a slow week, I feel like, for a lot of the Star Wars um, community other than Andor. Like, because, you know, normally, uh, like with us, of, of course, being uh, on YouTube and into content creation, like even if you like look around like the other Star Wars creators on YouTube, like it's just a lot of like, this week it, it really felt like a lot of people just weren't posting a ton of different things mm. just because there isn't a lot a lot of stuff to really talk about. It's just it's just like, all right, let's get to Andor, watch that, and then, you know, let's get to the Andor finale next week, watch that, and then, you know, we'll be in you know, probably a couple weeks later we'll probably be in the marketing cycle for Mando, I would guess. Bad so match. you know, we're getting into that and it's just like right now, they're not gonna release any news especially right before the Andor finale. So it's just, for me, it was just another kind of just normal week with nothing nothing crazy Star Wars-wise happening. Yeah, well, speaking of out this week, we had three comics uh, that, that released this week. Uh, the first of being Han Solo and Chewbacca, and this is issue number seven. And the way that the story feels is it's very much, feels like it's written by television, which is funny that I mentioned that because it's written by the guy that did the Arrow series. Mark Guggenheim, you've probably seen that name. I know, Milton, you, wa you watched the hell out of this show. Ben, you watched it. I watched it. I didn't finish all the way through. But I was reading this comic, and I'm like, oh, man, the, the pacing and everything, the antics, it's, it feels like I'm watching TV, but I'm reading it in a comic book. And then I realized, that's why. So it, it, it's kind of cool seeing them crossing the streams and uh, making a cinematic experience on the comic book. Uh, well, so, yeah. he's already... So what's funny about that is... Um, they already have experience doing that. So um, I actually have these comics. I have the Arrow comics oh. for the show. 
So there there was season two point five Eric comic, and then there was uh, I believe there was uh, season three point five or something. But there was one called The Dark Archer, which is about Malcolm Merlin. Oh. But, um, yeah, but like Mark Guggenheim and all of them, like they wrote comics for the show. Oh wow! So, to fill in the gap, so like, and even like, what or reading those, they're really, really good. Like, it feels like you're watching the show. But yeah, I'm like, okay. yeah, yeah. So basically, Han Solo. Oh, you, you guys will love this. So basically, catch up on the story. Han Solo gets shot first by Greedo because this takes place before New Hope. So, so uh, Mark Guggenheim had to get that one in on all of us. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, Greedo shot first, but obviously Han is alive, but he gets <laughs> stranded on this island of these aliens that don't speak basic. So Han's able to get out of there and then goes and frees Chewbacca from a prison, which happened to have Dr. Everson and Panda Baba as well as Maz Kanata there at the, all at the same place. So, yeah, it was it was a good old time. And then we also had uh, Dr. Afra issue number 26, continues to be zany and wacky, as you would expect, uh, dealing with like this force cult that's not really force sensitive called the Ascendant and all that. And then the big one this week, and I talked about this in a chat a little bit our, our private chat we we had hidden empire number one and as my friend and and guests on the show before steven cinder said this is this is the ot's back um because i you know as far as the comics people are like you know some of these storylines kind of go on and go on it's like what's the relevance what's the importance of the storyline but then charles soul comes at us with a home run in this first issue and it's like yeah we're back like this is compelling storytelling that uh, is going to move the needle forward for d not just comics, but like Star Wars storytelling in this era um, with the Emperor like going head to head with Kira and force choking her through like light light years away and all this kind of crazy stuff and her like putting together this big force time loop thing. It, it, it's, it's wacky. It's wacky. Um, I have my views on there and everything already. Prince Zizor is canon now. You see a hologram of him. So I got my one win. Now I just need to get my hashtag dash render watch and I'll be happy. Um, so come on, publishing, get them in there already. So <laughs> I, uh, I I very much like the, the, the Knights of Ren are in there. You got Vader, who's going to be tasked with taking down Kira, which he already tried to do before and then got distracted. I know it's something that Milton, you were like flabbergasted. How the hell is Vader going against Kira in a melee and not taking her head off? Well... I think she probably won't make it out of this, so we'll actually see that happen. But that that's that's what happened in in the comics this week. Um yeah, so so there you go. I, I do want to shout out the, the housekeeping. As usual, if you're listening to this, you can watch us every Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. And if you are watching this, go ahead and download us um, on any of your favorite podcast apps of your choice. And we have t-shirts you can buy out of rim transmission um, on teespring.com. So we're going to jump on in. We have a couple very brief little story stories here to talk about, as Ben was saying. Not, not a whole lot going on here. Uh, keeping with the publishing and the comics in particular and the era that we're currently in with all the, the Return of the Jedi stuff, we have Return of the Jedi uh, one-shots coming, celebrating the 40th anniversary of... My favorite Star Wars movie. Um, and I always, yeah, I, I'm just so happy that they're putting this much effort into celebrating Return of the Jedi because this is my bread and brother, bread and butter of the Star Wars universe. Um, so the first one we're getting is Star Wars Jabba's Palace. Uh, it's written by 
none other than Mark Guggenheim. So there we go. Um, not much is known about this, but we're going to have a one shot for this. Maybe we'll have a one shot of uh, some kind of characters on the Death Star or something. So, I mean, I, li I like the idea. I, I mean, we don't have the confirmation that they're doing any sort of, from a certain point of view, novel from Delray. I would assume if they're doing this amount of work with Marvel, we'll probably be getting that in the fall time or something like that. But uh, I'll throw this one over to Ben. What do you... What do you Hoping, what kind of stories, if you were to give us some stories of some maybe side characters or, or locations in Return of the Jedi, celebrating that movie, um, I'll ask both of you, which which ones would you want to want to do? Which one would you want to delve would, in? Yeah, I would say for me, personally, I think a really good one to do, man, like there's so many different options, honestly, when it comes to Return of the Jedi, because there's so many like, different Imperial lieutenants and rebel lieutenants and, you know, things like that. Um, but for me, I think it would be cool if they would somehow do like a canonized version of the Luke scene that's been deleted or the deleted Luke scene, you know, like mm. do something like that. Kind of like it's because it, technically that is in return of the Jedi or, you know, you know what I mean? Like if they would do a story for that, it would be like in that movie so, like, it would be cool if they would kind of give us, like, a little bit of, like, a Luke one-off thing, like, leading up to him, like, knocking on the door, basically, and walking into Jabba's palace. Like, I'd love to see that. Um, and, heck, if they want to get real crazy with it, you know, throw in there some of the stuff that we, that was alluded to in, like, the, um, the old Legends material. Like, yeah. before Luke went, before Luke went to Jabba's palace, he literally was having visions of, a redheaded woman yeah. when he did that whole when he did that whole front flip thing and all that stuff he literally had those visions like just canonize that like like adjust the scene adjust it adjust it a little bit for your own creative likeness or whatever but like just do that whole thing like give us Luke's little story before return before entering Jabba's palace like him like visioning that whole mission and then they can kind of like if they would do that, like this is really getting out there on a limb. But if they would do that, it would kind of make Mara Jade canon. Like do something like that. Yeah. And like to me, that's like stuff like that degree of of I guess you would say oomph. Like that's something I feel like would be a good push for the comics. Like, boom, we just dropped a Mara Jade thing. Like mm -hmm. you said, now Prince Shizor. Like just drop drop characters in like that that fans love and adore versus to me a lot of the stuff with star wars like they get reserved on characters because it's the whole well we might eventually use them in a series or a movie or something so we just don't want to let you know it's basically like we don't want to let the book people do it first which is kind of annoying in my opinion but that's like my always been my feeling of it is like they're just kind of like saving the big characters for only the on-screen stuff it's like no just let them get introduced in, in a book or, or comic and go from there. Like, and then basically if anyone asks, you know, do like you did in Mando with, with Bo-Katan. You don't need to know much about her other than what we saw in those episodes. Like, do something like that if you introduce, like, a Mara Jade or someone like that. I think that would be a, a fun story to do with Luke, and it would get people interested, a.k.a. sell money, sell, sell comics, etc. It would be a really good start to the whole Return of the Jedi, um, like, line. Oh man, uh, that that's actually my idea. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like uh, just pie in the sky kind of thing. Is like throw in a Mar Jade story, Mar Jade origin, 
have her speaking with the emperor on the Death Star and yep. then you see her arrival at Tatooine or something like that. What about you, Milton? What would you have a uh, comic that's celebrating the fourth anniversary? Would you do something on Endor? Do something on Tatooine? Uh, do mm. some side story for some rebellion spy? Or, or, or maybe finally get the story of many Bothans died to bring this, this information. Maybe we'll finally get that. That'd right. be cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, we're, we're kind of getting that with like, well, we kind of got it with Rogue One already. And, and now with Andor, with how they got the Death Star plans, and how the rebellion was formed. Um, I mean, if I, if I had to pick something that would be canonized, like in a comics or oh, hell, even live action that we haven't seen. Um, I know we got a little bit in the initial launch of, you know, The Force Awakens with like, Post Return of the Jedi with Luke getting the tree. Yeah. But I feel like with a lot of the Legends books, and I know I'm going off the weeds a little bit, some of those Legend stories post Return of the Jedi were pretty epic. And like, I just want them, I want them to explore, I guess, Luke's psyche a little bit about, okay, yes, he, they, they destroyed the, the Emperor and Vader, but what were the actual repercussions? Did they accept Luke as the ultimate? You know, like Jedi as the ultimate hero. Like there's a, there's some baggage that have to have come out. Now we did explore this somewhat, and in Bloodline, with them find out that Leia mm-hmm. is the Vader. But I want I wonder what Luke was thinking. You know, because it's easy for us to jump into the weeds of like, oh, well, he was a hero the whole time. Like, did Luke think that he could do this? You know, so I want to see stories like that. I guess if we're going to make comics at that point. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Like, I mean. Luke is such an important character, like getting his like psyche, um, like you said, just dealing with that as well. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you, you know, from, from our point of view with Return of the Jedi and even like Mando now seeing Luke, like he basically, you know, if, if you take it, say, strictly on screen and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if they really dove into it at all um, elsewhere, but like on screen, we never really got the repercussions of luke after he kills vader and all of that like like Mm -hmm. from his point of view like we never get the whole thing of like holy smokes my dad was like the evilest person in the galaxy for like 20 years or 30 years or whatever so it's just like it's that whole thing of it'd be interesting to see like luke dealing with that um i would say and then yeah i just i just feel like that would be a really good one um, that you brought up, Milton. Also, another an honorable mention one while we're sitting here talking about it. All right, so we got the many Bothans die thing. Another one we need a major explanation for in canon. I mean, it may be in canon already, and I'm, I may not be aware, but how the heck does Lando go from... Oh, yeah. Go from being a manager on Cloud City, basically, to... A general and Return of the Jedi, like we need that explained because because all he references is the Battle of Tanab. Mm-hmm. Like, was it was that that significant of a battle? Like, I don't know, was Mon Mothma and the entire Rebel leaders about to like get smoked and Lando save the day? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that needs to get explained because Lando, like you talk about, I, I mean, for our, our people like have that have been keeping up with sports, you talk about Jeff Saturday going from being a guy sitting on on a tv set to coach in the indianapolis colts like that that's that's about as big as jump you can make like lando being a manager for a city to being a general in the rebellion that's at their biggest point. at their biggest battle i just don't that's always one story that's always kind of befuddled me it's like man 
at least Han had to get some experience through A New Hope and his stuff to get to it. But Lando, like, he just skipped every step. Yeah, I mean, the comics have been slowly, and I mean very slowly, building us into seeing how Lando could be accepted as a leader in the Rebellion. There's one moment where he's charging with the Millennium Falcon as the first ship in the fleet to like go after these these Imperials or whatever they were doing at that moment. Um, so that like there's evidence that that's slowly happening. Maybe we'll get an insight into it next week because uh, next week they're releasing Star Wars Revelations number one, which is also written by Mark Guggenheim. So like the, the, the whole Lucasfilm trust has basically given Mark Guggenheim the keys to the Return of the Jedi kind of stuff. Um, so he's he's got some ideas, apparently. So um, Revelations is going to be a preview, if you will, of the next year of Star Wars comics. There's going to be stories relating to his own series with Han Solo, to Darth Vader, to the Bounty Hunters, to the Star Wars series. Um, so maybe maybe we'll get some sneak peek at like, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker creating his green lightsaber, stuff like that. So I would expect I can probably answer some of these questions when we come back a week from now. But, yeah, just some interesting things to ruminate about. And uh, also, more in publishing, we have more of the Legends collection revealed. Um, I know you guys will like one or two of these. We have three books that have been announced. We have Dawn of the Jedi, which is the first book in the Legends continuity. It's the ancient days of the Jedi. We have Republic Commando which is called Hard Contact, the first of a series of books there uh, by Karen Travis, I believe. And we have Yoda Dark uh, Rendezvous, which is a story about the in the Clone Wars uh, with Dooku. So which one of these have you guys read? I haven't read any of them. Oh, because I know the Republic oh. Commando one is a very popular one. I've heard of Dark Rendezvous. Yeah, I've I've read all of those. I mean, the the one I don't remember the most is is Dawn of the Jedi, just because it's it's been forever since I've read that one. But uh, Republic Commando is excellent. Like like Karen Travis for sure should be doing more doing Star Wars stuff. You know, to this day she should still be writing, just because like she for like of course you know you had like the video game to to base things off of, but at that time you only had the she only had the video game to like go off of in those characters. And the best part about that book, I would say, is, uh, for example, all right, so we know, like, I know in current canon, I know some people have had issues with um, uh, Hera's father being different, really different feeling from the books to the on-screen, like, like him just seeming really different. I, I've seen several people, like, criticize that. Like, mm -hmm. the thing is with, um, like, Karen Travis with the Republic Commando books, like, she she really hit the like, the personality of the squad, like, perfectly. Ooh. Like, like you know, you got Boss, who's, like, the leader who, you know, that's your character. And then, like, she got, like, like Sev's cockiness, like, him being, like, the sniper, and, like, Scorch being the, like, kind of, like, funny clown type guy he is. Like, like she she nailed the, the characters really well in those Republic Commando books. So it kind of, like, seamlessly fits right in with... Um, you know, with, with the game, yeah. which, you know, to me, it's just, it, it fits perfectly. And then, oh, man. you know, the, and, and then like the dark rendezvous book, it's been, that's another one that's been so long ago that I've read, like, like I've joked before, I've, 
I've forgotten more Star Wars than like I've consumed just because I consumed <laughs> so much Star Wars stuff yeah. over the years. Like, holy smokes! Like, I've literally read almost every Legends book I've read for the most part. Wow. Um, like all these book, these three books I've read, and almost every Legends book Whoa. I've read. There's only there's only a few I haven't, and it's just like, man, I don't remember a quarter, probably 40 percent of these because yeah. there's just so many. Mm-hmm. That's why I like to just write stuff down. Um, yep. Yeah, I know this is this is uh, kind of spoiling the beans a little bit for our viewers and our listeners out there. I I jot down <laughs> intensive notes for every Star Wars book I read, in hopes that maybe maybe just one day I'll do a video or two on these things. And lately, I've just been so caught up in other things that I haven't done like any deep dives. But that does help. Like I'll write down things, and at least in the, I could be like, oh, what happened here, and I could go back and reference the note or something like that. So that helps me keep keep in contact. But no, it's cool. Like you were mentioning about hard contact being a bridge between the the, the, the um, video games. So, you know me, I love that cross-pollinization of content. Uh, we're going to be getting that pretty soon here in March uh, with Sam Maggs and her um, book there, Star Wars Jedi Survivor uh, Battle Scars, which is going to be that connective tissue in between Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. So you have things like that, which are really neat because it just uh, gets to get the, the player in the mindset of, oh, I have all this extra context of what is happening. Um, and just looking at the general idea, right? Like, okay, they generally release these books that have some kind of relevance in the current canon. Well, we've seen a bunch of commandos at the end of Bad Batch Season 1. We're gearing it's up for scorched. Season 2. Uh, was that him? I'm not sure if that was confirmed. Maybe it was. Well, well, okay. So I saw it answered. This is this is like where um, I get into like the eye roll territory with some of the stuff with with some of the current Star Wars because they didn't like confirm it was him, but they're like, oh well, he has the same armor painting oh, yeah. as Scourge, but yeah. but we're not confirmed. But the 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 I saw a guy respond, um, you know, from the show, basically said. We're not confirming it's him, but he's wearing the same armor as Scorch. It's like, come on, people. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, oh, we have Dark Nerdy Gonzo chiming in. You had a Dark Rendezvous. was a great read. Recommend that one. The most of the re-releases. Republic Commander, that first book, was solid. The latter books in the series kind of went off a bit. All right, well, thanks for that tidbit for everybody listening and watching. There, there's uh, what, what Gonzo's recommending. Uh but yeah, no, these are these are cool. These are coming out in May, so we got those to look forward to. So very cool stuff on the book front. So we got a a random video that just uploaded yesterday, Star Wars YouTube channel, and what it is called in celebration of Life Day is Life Day Star Wars Lofi. So this is almost like the Yule log at Christmas time when you just turn on this certain channel and you just see a a flaming log with some Christmas carols. Well, you can do the very same thing every year going forward with the, uh, you know, the official Star Wars holiday of Life Day. And it's really cozy. It's really kind of this cool looped hour plus long video of, uh, of a couple Wookiees there in the foreground. You see all the, the lights, the little orbs that they celebrate with. And it's cool how in recent years, Lucasfilm has turned what is Lucasville uh, what is George Lucas's most hated creation and managed to turn it around to be referenced in the Mandalorian episode one to have several comics that reference in comic books 
and novels and everything like that. So did either of you just like click on this link to just see what the heck this thing was? No, I didn't know it was even like a thing, like until <laughs> started talking about it. I mean, I, I haven't watched the uh, the special in like years, and like I said, and I know the the Star Wars YouTube page has been slipping the last couple of years, so I haven't really been like even on it. So, uh, but no, like, is it worth watching? Well, it's not really something you're gonna watch, and it's actually one of the questions I would have for the audience: is Hey, has anybody just like sat there and watched this thing intently? Like it's Andor for an hour because no, no, you're not doing that. Like you said, it was like the Yule logs. So yeah. Like you see, like a Wookie, like like turning his head. You hear like ambient noise. You hear Wookies growling. <laughs> There's this music, and it's like I said, it's a very calming thing to have like on in the background. Like like for instance, like you have some people over your house. Like put that on the TV and see what they say. You know, it's like, what is this? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. No, I I, uh, I clicked into it. And I was like, "What is this?" Like, I guess I didn't even think about it that way of being like the Christmas U-log thing. Um, but it is. It's 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 good that they're embracing it because, like, like we were kind of discussing before uh, before we started recording, before we went live. Um, like my thing with Star Wars is a lot of times. They're taking themselves way too seriously on a lot of things. Like, instead of, even if, you know, we were, we were kind of discussing it before the show, even if you're not going to do a yearly holiday special for all these different things because it's not technically not canon or whatever, like, okay, then an easy way to do it, in my opinion, especially since now Marvel is doing it, like, do some type of a Life Day 35-minute adventure every year, live action, you know, put it, put whatever five million bucks into it, or however much it is to produce like a little enclosed episode, and just do something like like do a little one-off story. I don't know. Like you could easily make some generic story that's not obviously like galactic based or something. Like like I don't know. Have it be Grogu and Mando doing something, and you know, get a few cute shots of Grogu and. Be at a village where they're celebrating Life Day. Like, boom, there you go. Like, or have Grogu off with kids and like them dealing with some Life Day stuff. Like, like just something generic. And like, I just think that would make things a lot more fun, especially because like the way Star Wars has been, like it's been so like secretive and like you know we haven't had a movie in it feels like since Revenge of the Sith. It feels like it's been twenty years since we've had a Star Wars movie in theaters at this point. So just like. I'm just at a point they need to just start putting out content like they need to like don't hold back just start putting out content because it it always falls back on my thing of like and Marvel pumps out all this content and they're under the same umbrella like Lucasfilm Lucasfilm just feels like they're lagging and I'm like man like with stuff like Life Day you could have so much fun whether you know like I said whether you do a generic adventure with Grogu and Mando or and you don't even need Pedro Pascal. Like, like you could just get his voice. Like, heck, half the time he's not even in the suit anyways. Just, like, <laughs> do fun stuff like that for Life Day. And it would just be so much fun every year. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anything, they could just do animation. Like, we did get the, yeah. the holiday special. Don't forget that. That was actually all about Life Day. That came out yeah. about two years ago now. Um, which is funny, because we haven't gotten word of any new LEGO specials coming our way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's... It, they put out, at least they did a little bit of, they did effort this year. I don't even know what they did for it last year. 
but you know, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good sign if they put this out. Hey, maybe next year we will get something a little bit more elaborate than than this. But hey, they're <laughs> they're at least playing with the inside joke, which just makes me chuckle. Um, yeah. Hey, that's a that's a way to do it. Hey, there we go. Maybe Book of Boba Fett season two, first episode. They'll just go back and just straight up do a live action life day from the original one with him wearing the multicolored armor meeting Luke. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so we got another release on Disney Plus this week, and we had talked about it last week because we just got news that hey, there's going to be a Studio Ghibli Grogu short hitting on Saturday, marking the third anniversary of this and yeah Ben, i see your reaction um just give me your play-by-play th- uh, reaction of of this thing here this little like two minute two and a half minute short all right so i was about to like channel my inner milton when i was watching this i could say that like literally i kid you not guys so i, I knew it was only a few minutes so i just saved it for tonight to watch it before the show so i probably watched it the most recent out of us three and I was like, all right, let's see what this is. I sit down, turn it on. We get like, you know, of course you get the Disney logo and stuff. I'm like, and the Lucasfilm logo. And I'm like, oh man, this might actually mm-hmm. be, might actually be solid here. And we get into it 10, like 15 seconds into it. I'm like, whoa, this animation looks pretty weird. Um, and then like, I don't know, like you get, you get this weird music playing and then, you, then Grogu's like staring at the camera and then you get the, like these little dust bunny things, and then like you see Grogu again, and what? then like, and and then no, then yeah. listen, well, like it's crazier, and then like, and then you there's kind of just walking around. You have this weird, this weird, weird music, mm. and like these dust bunny things, and then it just like, it just has more like weird visuals like that, and then it cuts, and I literally said what the f and dropped the f bomb because I was like, what is this? Like this. This is your anniversary of Mando season one. Like that is a slap in the face to the yeah. Mandalorian. Like you're releasing that type of trash. Like yeah, that's disrespectful. And now thank God you watched it because you know me, I didn't want. I could look. I still haven't watched Miss Marvel yet because I can't get to the first fifteen minutes. So this little two minute short, I wouldn't got through fifteen minutes or fifteen seconds. I'm like, this is stupid. Like why yeah. would you even release something like that to celebrate? One of your most, probably your most celebrated Star Wars show ever. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's, you know it's the biggest show. Yeah, and that's funny because actually, let me go back to something we talked about earlier our week at Star Wars, and I forgot to mention this, Chris, but you mentioned the asset question. We just hired this new guy in my office, and he sees that I have like the Star Wars stuff in my office, and he's like, hey, he's like, did you, you watch the Andor show? I'm like, yeah, I said, I'm really starting to like it, you know, and I, he's like, how about, how about Mandalorian? I'm like, dude, dope. He's like, yeah, he's like, and that show's kind of fire. Now, he's just like me. He's a lifter. You know, he, he's, yep. he's a big guy. So, you, again, you know, nerds all look different. But it's like, you got people like that. And my point is, everyone loves that show. Mm-hmm. Different types of people. And then you release this trash to celebrate the anniversary? Like, well, you could have done, like, an hour-long, like, documentary of, like, hey, you know, what, what the actor... What led up to the actors to be casted in that first season? Or, you know, how was that storytelling process in the background? And then say, oh, by the way, because it's the anniversary, here's a sneak peek of season three. That's perfect yeah. marketing. Because mm-hmm. you know yeah. the three of us would have watched it and would have reviewed it. Yeah, well, here's another thing with that. Like, also, um, before I get into my, my next point, you know, it's awesome, like, hearing, like, I, I always love, that's one of the best parts of coming on this podcast, um, 
you know, hearing <laughs> both of your guys' stories, like, like, you know, Chris, you talking to people at the gym about Star Wars or Milton, you like meeting new office workers, like talking about Star Wars, like that sort of stuff is always cool, like getting Star Wars out there. And, you know, it's just like in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, don't check out this crappy short that came out. <laughs> um, because like what? I just was stunned. I was stunned at how poor of a quality it was. Like, I could not believe they even put a penny into that. Like, like you could have... We, we could have downloaded an animation software and done that. Like, it was that crappy of animation. I, I just couldn't... I, I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe what I was watching. Like, and, and the Lucasfilm logo being branded on the front of it is what, what killed me the most. Like, it's like, this is endorsed by Lucasfilm. Like, this... That just... It's like, that's all you need to know. Like, it just, it was so, so bad. And here's another thing, too. God, I sound like John Campia ranting about this, about a two-minute short. But it's like, my thing with it is, if you're going to do that, let's just say you keep this exact, like, weird music, weird, weird cinematography. Like, like I said, Milton, Grogu's literally, like, staring into the camera, like, fourth wall breaking, staring into your eyes while you're watching it. Um... And it's just like, what is this? But my thing is, even if you're going to do this exact same thing, why not spend $5,000 and just do the little live action shot of the Grogu puppet, of the dust, animate the dust bunnies and keep it moving? Like, because people would at least appreciate a live action little Grogu, you know, going around going, ee, ee, like making its little Grogu noises versus a really crappy animation. Like, why not? If you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do an anniversary thing, give us a little live action two minute Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. If you want to even do that, like like why give it to us even in this crappy animation? Like that's what got me. Like the animation looks so bad. All right, yeah. So so I want to just preface this. <laughs> wow, this is one hell of a rant. Um, I want to preface <laughs> this to all of the anime fans out there. Just know that that Ben and you know Ben, you you haven't watched Miyazaki stuff before, right? Like the Studio Ghibli no. stuff. So you're coming well, from the perspective of somebody that has never really experienced the, those sorts the main of things. Thing I've watched is Dragon Ball. Yeah, oh. Dragon Ball Z reboot. You know, but that's, uh, but like, that's okay. So 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 those those are not anything close to what this this studio <laughs> does. All right, so so I just want to preface. <laughs> Just just telling all the people out there, you guys haven't really watched the, what is it called? My Friend Totoro, or uh, what is it, the, the, the Village Bride? No, the, that's the Star Wars one. There's the Princess Mononoke or whatever, which are apparently people spirited away. People swear by these things, and that's what builds up the, uh, the, the popularity and all the uh, accolades for Studio Ghibli. Um, so they yep. have own they have their own distinctive style. It's not for One, everybody, apparently. It's not for everybody, yeah. but it's just <laughs> you know, that's the thing. They were the Star Wars Lucasfilm was partnering with this company to appease to these other sorts of fans too, because there's a lot of fans out there. They're trying to get a crossover. They're trying to get these fans of Studio Ghibli to cross over. And I, I'm looking at this as maybe more of like a like kind of like a, a testing proving ground sort of thing. Like they're just in, seeing what kind of engagement comes out of this. I will say it hasn't looked good. Engagement has been down ever since the day it released within the, by the end of the day, I'd even hear anything else about it. It just feels like 
they and it's a good thing they didn't promote the hell out of this, which is a good thing because if yeah. they did, this would have been really fell flat on its face and people would have really been angry. They 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 did like really they like starwars.com didn't even put out an article for this thing, right? Like they don't even really yeah. talk about it. It's just like an extra little thing like, "Oh, by the way, this is going up on Disney Plus." And that's the one thing is like I I would see this more as a YouTube thing. Like I don't think that, oh. that the quality of this denotes it being on a marquee service that people pay for like Disney Plus. I think they could have easily put this on Studio Ghibli's YouTube and also had it on Lucasfilm or Star Wars's YouTube and called it a day because well, it just doesn't seem like it's up to the caliber of other Studio Ghibli stuff. Like I'm I'm comparing it to the stuff that everybody talks about. I've talked to my friends that have even watched the other things and really enjoy it and they didn't really get anything out of this. I mean there's clearly no story. There's no dialogue well, see, i'll be honest that, my personal take on the design of grogu is not even all that cute and that is what the character is built on so if the character doesn't even sell me as being all that cute then is it really that much of a uh of a great thing to be out there in the first place um sorry but i just wanted to get get this oh, stuff out good. of there because yeah. i couldn't have you go on for another 20 minutes i'm just saying this so you know, I'm just by saying, again, I haven't seen it, but I trust Ben and Chris. And if Ben is saying that I would react this way, I probably would. So I want to say this. So, yes, this Jubilee studio, like, yeah, they may have a, have a style, but you can still make good content, you know? And, like, that, no that's story. Yeah, that's my issue because I've always championed that anytime Star Wars does animation, they they some of the best consistent work that they've done and look at visions visions is a perfect example of different styles and culture and in parts of the country that we're trying to reach when it comes to other types of star wars fans and they killed it every episode we loved it we i think that series is a masterpiece of storytelling mm -hmm. when it comes to animation and some of the best star wars and in, in general and then you look at like so, so you have that example so for me it's no excuse that this little studio made of two minute five minute clip and then just kind of like crap the bed on it's like that's no you're you're partnered with star wars it's not like you're partnered with you know some 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 nobody company that just started a couple years ago this has been around for 45 plus years so like the work and expectations should be above and beyond um i think that to me there's no reason why they should have released it on the on the streaming platform it should have been on youtube channel if, if this was some type of experimental Let's say, let's say, way to see what, how fans react, or just to pull another database or um, fan base. Okay, fine. But if if it's that type of trash work, and Chris, you're the most positive of all of us when it comes to this, and you're still thinking it's garbage. So, so if a fan like Chris, who's trying to at least be optimistic, saying like, "Listen, eh, this ain't doing it for me," like that's a problem. Like that that that's yep. a significant issue. So, well, so I think Star Wars and Lucasfilm need to get their mind right when it comes to what type of work are they putting on their platform compared to what they need to put on their YouTube channels. Yeah, what, one final thing for me on, that, on all of that. Like, all right, so let me correct myself on, all right, the animation style, like, like you mentioned, Chris, it, it, it's not like as consistent as some of their other projects per se, but my thing with it is even if, even if I completely don't like the animation style, there's no story there. There's no story to hook you in. Like, I can look past bad visuals for a good story. 
Like, like that was some of my critiques, say, even in the Kenobi series. There was some episodes, it felt like, man, this feels cheap as hell. But then other episodes, it was good. And you can look around bad visuals for a story. And like this, even though, you know, I mean, man, I'm going all in on a two and a half minute short here. But, but there's no story in a two and a half minute short. And my thing with it is, not to compare it, or I guess to directly compare it, um, to some of the greatest Star Wars content ever, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, there's some episodes that are only like six minutes long, and they're fire. Like, my thing is, if you can bang out a story in like two to three to four to five minutes, like, why couldn't have they done that for this? Like, I really think they tried to do, they attempted to do the whole, you know, kind of like lying off the the back of like Grogu being so cute, like just kind of banking on like, hey, people will like it because it's Grogu. And it's like, nah, you didn't even make the animation for Grogu look too cute, like at all, like other than him like staring like bug-eyed into the camera. Um, it's like me, it was just like, yeah, not good. Should have been on YouTube or it should have just been live action and been done with it. Spend, spend the five or 10 grand and make it live action or something. Get, get people in there and shoot for three hours and be done with it. Um, versus what that was it was disappointing to me it was more disappointing than anything just because it was on the anniversary of mando it, it would have been different if this if this was released i don't know in june or something i would have been cool with it probably because it was like hey whatever it's a little summer thing but the fact they released it on mando's anniversary is kind of like it, it's really bad in my opinion for them to even do that to like it, it puts those expectations, you know, of fans. It's like, oh, this is a Mando three anniversary, like, little short thing. And then you click on it and you're like, whoa, what did I just watch? Yeah. But I, I don't know. But those are my those are my thoughts on the whole on the on the two minute short. <laughs> yeah. To close it out, we have uh, Marvel's Studios did a group series of shorts that are about the same length yep. as this. And they managed to do a lot more story. And I'm just saying, like, these are completely different cultures, right? You have the East developing this over there in Japan versus an American studio. So it's really comparing apples to oranges from a certain point of view, yeah. I guess you could say, but it, I get that Chris, Chris, I get that though. But here's the thing. Like I've watched, like I said, like what, whether it's a 20 minutes episode or 10 minutes, we've seen this already. Like we've seen this with, with visions. We've seen this with, uh, I look at Ronan warriors when I was a kid, you know, Hell, Pizza Cats. I'll go with Sailor Moon. I'm talking now. These are studios over in Japan, in China, wherever that was. That became obviously shows that American culture loved, mm-hmm. and I, I know that's a different style and storytelling. But they were so good, and I and it's what 2022. And those shows came out in the early 90s. So like, oh, like for, for them, big- like, like I, I hear the argument of like, yeah, different cultures, different whatever. But it's like that's no excuse. If you're working with a huge IP like yeah, Star Wars, true. like I'm sorry, whoever, whoever, the the real blame should be, and I think Ben's probably mad at this person. The real blame should be who signed off on that. Yeah, <laughs> like, <come laughs> like, like, well, 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 that's like I said, we're really diving into a two minute short here, guys. But 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 it's just like to me, it's the whole thing of how did you watch. Like, like again, I, I don't know. It's always, like, me going back at the Lucasfilm management, I feel like, sometimes on here. But, like, it's just, like, whoever... Who sat down and watched this at Lucasfilm and said, 
this is this is good enough to release on season on on the three year anniversary of Mando. This is definitely good enough, and it's like, nah, it definitely was not. Maybe hey, we'll just say it was the intern that approved it. <laughs> <laughs> so falling to the marquee title of the show, the show's namesake. We're gonna dive into Andor season one, episode eleven, Daughter of Ferrix, where we have the passing away. And but by the way, the spoilers as if I don't have to mention already. We have the passing away of Marva Andor. We have what is happening with Andor getting off of Narcana 5. So much going on with Mon Mothma. We're going to throw it to Milton because we haven't been able to hear your thoughts on the last few episodes of Andor. So just fill us in on what your vibe has been, your excitement for the finale after watching all the current episodes. Just fill us in, man. Yeah, so... I. I will, I will say, I, I will eat crow, okay? Because first, early on in the show, I wasn't feeling it, except for a couple episodes here or there. I mean, and that's, I think it was just pacing. I think a lot of it was pacing, not knowing where the story was going. These last four to five episodes, I have to say, has been really, really good. Like, I've I've actually been very excited to sit, like, to get up in the morning when I go work out, mm-hmm. come home, get, and actually watch the episode. and be like, okay. I, I'm invested in the story. I know where they're taking it now, you know, and just the prison stuff for me was, was, it was great storytelling, great storytelling for star Wars. And, and, you know, again, 10 weeks ago, I would have said differently, but now it's like, okay, I see where they're taking this story. And these last four or five episodes, man, I've not had any issues. I think my favorite episode was obviously the prison break. And even like prior to that, the, the lead up to the prison break, whenever he's like, how many guards, how many guards on whatever level it was. And, he, and you clearly see that that change in, uh, what's his character's name? Um, Lino Coy. Yeah, yeah. seeing his, his character change, he's like, all right. Because you saw the pain and the yeah. love that he had that old guy. And I was like, man, like that's how you get people hooked. Mm-hmm. You make believe like that we love that guy too. You know, and how, how Cassian took that old guy and tried to protect him as well. And it's like, Man, but anyways, these last four or five episodes have been nothing but dope. Um, the current episode, as we're talking about today, Daughter of Ferrix, I loved it. it. It was a slower episode, but I think it needed to be mm-hmm. that way because we just had the prison break. We have the finale next week. This is the perfect setup to say, okay, th- this is how are we going to end this and then lead into season two. I love the Saw Guerrera and uh, Luthen exchange. Love that. Hell, I love the dog fight. That dog fight was some of the best fighting in star wars and it's only <laughs> a, it looked good like i for, for for him to use those countermeasures i never saw that before yeah i'm thinking, I'm thinking okay i want i literally said i want that ship oh it looks I, so good it's so dope i'm loving mon mothma more and more again she's capital h-o-t-t hot okay <laughs> and val oh, gorgeous but i love her character too i love that i keep saying this from previous episodes is that they made fear i'm very much of a character of this show because you clearly mm. see Aunt Martha saying i'm in trouble and she knows the writings on the wall now we know her her, her spoilers we know her end game and all this however you, you, we still think wait something might happen to her because mm-hmm. they still could i mean they could capture her they can interrogate her something we just never know but it's like man i didn't realize like building this rebellion was so stressful because mm-hmm. we get from the movies it's like oh Rebellion's been around for a while. No big deal. Now we're seeing the underbelly, the beginnings of it. So it's like, okay, like I- I'm liking what Tony Gilroy and his team has done 
to hook us in now. And I think he he probably did this on purpose. He probably think, well, the first five or six episodes, eh, we'll, we'll, pay, we'll throw them off. Since episode, I want to say, six and seven, the show's really changed. I guess ever since he went to prison or prior to going to prison, the show's changed. It's like, oh, okay, I know where we're going. So this has been a really good episode. I'm looking forward for the finale a lot. And I'm curious to see how they're going to end it and lead into season two. Yeah, you, you've basically said everything I was going to say, uh, Milton. I mean, you, you captured my thoughts probably better than I could represent them, honestly, because it's it's a great, as I, as I call these, uh, like a table-setting episode. We are getting all the ducks in a row, everything pivoting toward our finale, and we could see it. We could see where it's going. Everything, all roads lead to Ferrix for this funeral of Marva. And everything, like you said, with Saul Guerrera, you know, finding out about the sacrifice that people have to go through. We heard the speech of uh, Luthan Rail last week, you know, uh, uh, I'm making a sun, you know, something about a sunrise I'll never see and all that kind of speak about, hey, this is war. And uh, to escalate it, innocent people or voluntary people, whatever, are going to have to put their lives on the line, even though they don't realize it, which is a terrible thing to say. Um but yeah, everything about this was was fantastic. Ben, thoughts on this episode right off the bat, initial impressions? Yeah, I thought this episode was one of the uh, better ones of the series so far. I would say I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, for everything that Milton said, like Milton, you you really uh, summed up the entire episode really well, actually. Um, but for me, like some of the details that stood out the most, of course, were you know the different things with Luthen that mm. was going on, like now. Um, now we're going to have, like, I guess you would say, like, the Empire, like, more on alert for him specifically. And then, you know, you have, of course, the the repercussions with Andor dealing with now his, like, mom dying. And, you know, of course, the different things that have been introduced, uh, like, the fear introduced for Mon Mothma and everybody else involved, whether it be Mon Mothma or Vale, like, all these different people, or Val excuse me, um, all these different people, like the fear element has been introduced and it's getting done in a really good way because, you know, we have different things like pieces of suspense getting built up in the background for us as an audience. So, you know, you have basically um, Deidre and the ISB using Marva's funeral as basically a trap for Cassian. So like, you know, you have these type of things that are nice introductions of fear for the people in the show, but also the viewers of the show. So I'm really enjoying that element that's been introduced. And then also some interesting things um, to point out, like, you know, we're getting close to, you know, the illusion illusions of like Mon Mothma, like, shipping her daughter off basically is like i mean that's basically what i got out of this episode is like we're getting close to her making that that call um so like it's good that we're getting to that breaking point because like i mentioned it you know a few weeks ago when you were discussing this episode it's like all right mon mothma has to get to a point where it's like you know she gets pushed into the whole thing and now we're we're at this point yeah, making another person who sacrificed, like, that, that's the theme of these last couple episodes, is like, what will you sacrifice in her? She's going to sacrifice her daughter, essentially, um, basing it off of how she feels. Like, she's in the same situation. Like, she was in an arranged marriage with this guy that she just 
clearly doesn't like for many reasons because he's just looks pretty pretty bad as a person from what we've seen. <laughs> um, so so now it's like okay, I've experienced this. Do I want my daughter to go through the same sort of thing? hooked up with this mobster's son or whatever it's going to be and, and and then but that's what i need to do to get the 400,000 credits like i'm stuck in uh, between a rock and a hard place at this point and uh yeah i guess we could start there with the discussion is continue just talking about mon mothma milton what, what do you think about this predicament that that she's in and and like you said, so much about the rebellion we just took for granted until we get to see like the politics. That this storyline reminds me a lot of like what we've seen in House of Cards. Which, funnily enough, um, I think one of the directors from House of Cards is actually part of Andor making this series. So that makes so much sense now. Right. No, I mean it, it's yeah. I mean, and I love that show. I mean, it's one of my favorite shows on mm-hmm. Netflix. And th- th- this episode felt like that. It felt there's elements of it. I mean, it was elements of like you know whether it's House of Cards, a little bit of Sopranos feel, mm-hmm. um, maybe some some of The Wire. I mean, again, this very much was a good a good episode that pushed the narrative. You know, it, it wasn't just steady and it just wasn't steady. It got pushed. And that was for a good reason, because we now know that Mon knows that things are on the line. She has to make a choice. Because I think at one point, her and Luthien got into it where he's like, or he pretty much said, like, what have you really done or something like that, you know? So she's going to have to do something now. She's going to have to sacrifice. She's going to have to make a move. She's going to have to get into the game. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she was the money, but I mean, anyone can be the money. For, anyone can do a lot from the background. You know, mm-hmm. now now she's going to have to be the face. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, so I think Mon Mothma's development throughout the show has been been beautiful. Um, her cousin Val, again, like seeing that, that interaction, how she's really been an influence in her cousin's life and Overall, seeing where her arc's going to go. Because I'm curious how they're going to play her arc out. I have honestly no idea what they're going to take her. I mean, I can see her dying next episode for some mm-hmm. weird reason, but I can see her coming back for season two. Yeah. So I really know. What I like about this show so much is, yeah, you have two titular main characters in Mon Mothman and Andor. And, of course, they have plowed armor. They both survive, obviously. But it's about the relationships that this show has built up over the last 11 episodes of the connections to these characters, the people that they care about, why us as viewers should care about these relationships. And like you said, Milton, it's like, yeah, we maybe maybe Mon Mothica could be an interrogator or something terrible like that. She'll get alive. But it's like more or less like I'm concerned about the people she surrounds herself with. Is her daughter going to be taken into something? Like, like first off, let, let, let's dwell on that. Like, what was she doing? Like, like she was very concerned about her daughter. Like, like was she in some kind of... I got the feeling from some of the books, like, is she in, like, one of those, like, legislative kind of things where she's, like, like bit learning about the emperor and is going to probably serve the emperor and all that sort of thing? Like, I didn't know if you guys gleaned anything out of like what she was doing me, with all those students there or whatever I me mean, it was more like, like like a religious thing because uh, it mentioned something about she's like she found the elder uh, and i'll it was some type of like 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 religious thing of like that of star wars i don't i couldn't tell you what it is but i mean maybe ben you would know but i took it as she was part of some type of like coven or like you know like of like of religion or like maybe some politics mix i have no idea but something to that nature See, I was thinking it was along the lines of it had to do with um, the what's Mon Mothma's homeworld? Is it Chandrilla? Chandrilla, yes. yeah. I think it has something to do with that. Like, I think what we're going to get in this series 
is like this is more of also um, predicting for maybe the next episode. So obviously, Mon Mothma was contemplating doing this deal for her daughter, basically with with this guy. But my thing is, I think that could be like kind of a plot twist for us. Plot twist for her is I think her daughter is going to be cool with this stuff. Like, because we've seen her daughter be rebellious this whole series. So, like, what would be more rebellious than doing something your mom completely does not like or does not mm. endorse because of her dad and her? And when Mon comes to, like, tell her this and Mon's all, like, depressed about it or something and her daughter's like, I'll do it, you know, I don't have a problem with it. And then Mon's like, are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it's going to be that type of angle where it's going to be kind of like a curveball thrown at us. Like, oh, dang, now Mon's actually have to deal with, like, her daughter's accepting of it, you know, and she doesn't even realize what she's getting into. Hmm. Yeah, the spider, right? Like, she seems like she's yep, on her father. She seems like she's on her father's side, parents' side. So it's like, all right, yep. well, if you're not going to care about me, I know this is going to make you pissed off. I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw my life away. Just despite my own mother, I guess so. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could see that happening. Maybe Milton. I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, I, again, I mean, let's be real here. That's probably what could happen. I mean, she's kind of indicated that. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what's going to happen to the kid. I get. I mean, obviously, something she's going to go because we don't really see her, hear about her later in the movies and stuff like that. Nor any comic books that I know. Um, I mean, may, maybe. Uh, this, is a, this is a bold prediction. Maybe she happens to be collateral damage in this mm-hmm. whole... And, and, and let's say something that Mon has done with the rebellion that's formed. Maybe it's collateral damage and her daughter is either taken or, or killed and that pushes her into more of a hands-on approach with the rebellion. Yeah. Well, Milton, just like just like Chris mentioned with Luthen, like, you know, he mentioned, talked about, like, innocent lives basically can get you know, taking that taken out because, you know, it's like for the greater good, basically. Like, what if we have like a rebellion thing in the next episode and her daughter is collateral damage yeah. and it, and then she realizes it's actually the rebels that did it. Like, you know, so you have to introduce like, like for Mon, her character has to have these sort of things getting built up because she's not like an action packed character like Cassian would be or Luthen would be or whoever would be like, she has to have some type of like, you know, these struggles going on. So it's, it's got to be something along these lines like that we're, like, heading toward. Yeah, well, it's just like whenever Luthen met with the ISB undercover guy last week, which I thought that scene was gorgeous. Ooh, I yeah. love that, actually, exchange. When the guy asked, like, what have you sacrificed? Mm-hmm. And Luthen's like, I, I sacrifice, you know, my, my, my innocence, whatever he said, innocence, state of mind, whatever. He's pretty much, he said, like, I've sacrificed pretty much my humanity. Yeah, I've given up everything, you know, like you don't, you don't see it, but I've given it up. So other people, so he's like, I know there won't be a sunshine for me. I think he makes that quote, but there should, there will be one for others. Like, you know, when this is all over and done. And I think Mon's at the point where, yes, she's been putting money and funding. However, what has she really sacrificed? Mm. You know, I think that's very telling. And I think her sacrifice will be made. It will be made soon for her. So certainly let's turn it over to narcana 5 where we see this perilous climb of andor first off i got to talk about the symbolism the metaphor the connections whatever you want to call it 
between Andor and climbing. So, um, and this was not my own thoughts. This is somewhere off Twitter or a podcast that I listened to. Um, it's the cool fact that Tony Gilroy puts in a lot of different notions of Andor climbing, um, whether it be uh, one of the people telling him to climb um, in, in an earlier episode uh, to where we see him literally climbing on a cliff in here. And then we see K2SO, we hear K2SO saying, climb, Cassian, climb, or whatever, when he's, like, in the Scarif control room. So, like, there's this constant, like, going back, like, Cassian's always climbing. He's always climbing to escape. He's always climbing for greatness. So, I like to see them, like, constantly bring that that thread up. I don't know if you guys noticed that one, first of all. No, I, I honestly didn't. Now, now that you mention it, yeah, to me, even the first scene in Rogue One, when he kills a guy, he climbs up the... Uh... yeah. The wall and like obviously when he climbs up to get the Death Star plan spoilers, mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's like all right th- that's that's good symbolism I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah I I didn't I didn't, I honestly didn't think about it either but that is um that's very good symbolism you know and it is it's always cool when filmmakers put in stuff like that into like their their character and like into their projects like it's cool like getting that sort of symbolism thrown throughout and it's not on the nose you know. Like yeah. it, it's it's not it's not Cassian going, hey guys, I need to climb this wall. Hey guys, I need to climb this rock. Hey guys, I need to climb this whatever. Like it's just built in. Yeah, yeah. So we we as he's climbing walls, my little canon tidbit for the episode. We have a tie phantom flying overhead, which got me excited because that's uh, the transport that the Death Troopers arrived in to to kill bad bays and cheer it on all those guys. And it's also the ship of the Ninth Sister from Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, so, so cool little connection there. But I know people have been asking, all right, this is Star Wars. Where's the aliens? Well, these were definitely memorable aliens. Aliens that kind of gave me the creeps, if I'm being honest. Because the you way know, that they- here's the thing about that. I This is what I thought of. And this is like this is like inside baseball, I guess, or just being a nerd like that. They, I thought those are the aliens from, speaking of uh, the Gendy series, the ones in the last episode with Anakin uh, oh. had to get his arm in to get the crystal. Oh, oh maybe they the tried. I literally thought those were the aliens, like because they were they were big fat ones, mm. like mm-hmm. Ben. For that, yeah. See, that's what I was. Th- I honestly thought of that too. I was gonna oh. bring that. that. Good call, Milton. We're we're thinking the same thing. That came yeah. across my mind too. Yeah, the one alien had the knife as his arm. Yeah. Thinking, wait a minute, I've seen this before. And literally, I'm thinking, oh my god, these might be the same aliens, but like, you know, they adapt them to roulette. I'm thinking, that's kind of, oh if god. that's the case, like, that's pretty dope. Maybe it's the same planet, because didn't even the planet look like it was snowy? It was like, yeah, it was like snowy rocks or something. Oh crap, I've got now, to look this up on Wikipedia. <laughs> like, I have to look, I mean, yeah, I have to see, but uh, I have to really do research, but I legit thought, I'm like, man, are those the aliens from the Gendy series that Anakin had to save? Yeah. You know, they're all captured and experimented on, which made them look like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, the creatures remind me of, like, a cross between something from uh, the Fifth Element to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy to Dark Crystal to Labyrinth. Like, that real cruddy, like, design. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, if I was 10, I'd probably be crying because these things would... These type of designs always kind of horrify me for some reason. Even if it's not even in a scary scene, but, like, it's interesting because I couldn't really understand what the hell they were saying. <laughs> dialogue i probably should have put the subtitles on uh, or whatever because the one guy he was trying to talk to the other guy was just making noises for the most part but yeah i guess it's like all right well the empire's destroying our home so uh 
you're trying to take it to the Empire, we'll give you a ride. And and it was cool because they had the quadrumper uh, from Force Awakens. I don't know if it's the same exact ship that we find out later where, like, Ray's running is like, the quad jumper, and it's like, no, how about that junk? And it's the Millennium Falcon and whatever. But yeah, Ben, what'd you think about these aliens in general? Did you enjoy them? Did you enjoy seeing aliens for the first time in a while with the series talking at least? Yeah, like like for me, like we mentioned, I I for sure had the idea of like that being like alluding to like Gendy's <laughs> aliens. But yeah, like for me, I don't know. I'm always a person like I don't want Star Wars to be just humans. I mean, like humans are definitely the minority in the galaxy i would say just assuming because there are just so many intelligent like aliens and creatures and humanoids and droids and whatever else in star wars like we need more aliens and creatures like i'm always a person saying that like Mm -hmm. we need more of those so it's always great getting to see them um this was my only hiccup of the episode the entire episode actually i thought the whole sequence was I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe maybe they should have the dialogue a little more clear or something. But to me, it felt like, like I don't know. They were captured, and then they were like, "Oh, hey, you're good to go." Like I don't know. It just it just yeah. was so weird. Like it, it just I, I don't know. It didn't flow. Like it, it wasn't. It it didn't like crush my review of this episode. But like to me, it was just it was just strange dialogue. Like strange editing. Strange everything. Because like. They they did a complete like 180 in like a couple minutes on on like we're capturing you to oh yeah we'll help you out like it's like okay, um, but like overall, it was nice getting to see like aliens of course and then just like obviously, Cassian having some type of a struggle, um, just so he's not like you know just walking through the series like untouched like it's great getting to see like him having these little bumps on the road like this and. I'm sure we'll have more, you know, more down the line as we get into the next episode and yeah, future episodes. So they they get off of there and, and they're like, oh, yeah, how many people made it out of here? And it's like, uh, not enough. But it's like you think of uh, Kino Loy, poor guy. It's like, oh, man, I guess, well, he probably didn't make it, I guess. I feel, see, I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw Andy Circus's comments, but he made some weird comments this week. So I feel like he might come back at some point. Hmm. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. Like, because he basically channeled the whole, hey, you didn't see me die on screen. So, like, that whole thing. Hmm. Could be, could be. Um, let's move on to the scene where he finds out his mother's dead, right? Like, he's there and he's saying goodbye to Melshi. Melshi are, are splitting up. By the way, it's really cool getting that awesome Rogue One reference of Melshi, the same guy. Yeah. That goes and breaks into the, uh, the what is it, the, the, the um, juggernaut vehicle. It's like, Leanna Hollock, Leanna Hollock, you know, in, in the Scottish accent or whatever. And it's just like gets knocked out by K2S or whatever. Um, so it's cool seeing those guys have a dynamic and they have to split up, of course. But yeah, man, that 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 moment, it, it, it tore me up a little bit. I got to admit, I wasn't planning on feeling much um with this character for some reason i don't know why but like by the end of the episode when he finds out from whoever that character is i don't know if we got a name on him the guy who's like the transport guy on the mic but you get another call back to rogue one and this ends the episode of him looking out at the ocean with the sun and that's almost like luke skywalker kind of with like the twin sons moment where it's like he's he centers himself on that it's like the same thing it's the same kind of thing we see when cassian dies so again Tony Gilroy, uh, Gilroy, this is the benefit of having, I'm not saying he's got the ideas, but 
He's the showrunner. But like the benefit of having the same person making the movie doing the show is you get these really cool connections that really feed into the character and then give you that much more um, context when you're watching Rogue One again. You see that scene, it's like, yeah, he was there about five years ago in the same sort of position thinking about where the hell is his life going now that his mother's dead? You know, what is he doing yeah. next? So so let's let's discuss that. Well, well, the thing is with that, you know, bringing up the whole sunset, you know, forget even Rogue One or Luke, um, it's kind of good mirroring in series for this show as a whole because um, when Cassian leaves in whatever episode is, the second or third episode, like Marva is like looking at a sunset when he's leaving, so it's kind of like symbolic that she was looking at it when he was leaving and then he now is looking at it when she's gone. Like, you know, so it's kind of cool, like symbolism in universe or in series as well. Um, I thought that was a nice, like touch that they added. And then, you know, it's, it's good getting to see it. Cassian, like having to deal with this because it makes me wonder how we're going to get to the whole finale. Cause you know, as we know, like the events of things like Cassian, even though he didn't tell, you know, who he was talking to and stuff, like, he, he's obviously going to go to that funeral. Like, like at some, some way or another, he's going to end up there, even though he's, he's acting like, you know, he didn't, well, he didn't want to say who, who it was or what it was for or whatever, you know, on the, when he was on the phone. So like, my thing is like, how are we going to get to that point of him going from like this to that like it's it's gonna be really interesting to see his character deal with the repercussions of all of this just because there's there's a lot of stuff where you know we're we may need to get answered in the finale you know even just from this scene alone yeah this finale is gonna at least be an hour long hopefully i mean this series has been oh, yeah. doing a great job and none of us have ever complained really about all oh, this episode is too short right we're, we're pretty satisfied on getting those good 45 minute 50 minute episodes milton what were your thoughts on this um we're, we're gonna kind of almost diving to the end of the episode in the beginning of this discussion but yeah let's talk about that a little bit <laughs> No, I mean, I thought the ending was, it ended well. I mean, because again, it, it's leading up to something climatic for this, you know, this first season. Um, it, it's it's smart what the ISB is trying to do. They they know they're going to lure him out. You know, I think they, they know obviously what they're doing. Um, and this kind of ties into like, you know, just the, the, the Rogue One movie itself. I mean, there's a lot of symbolic, you know, scenes that you can, can mirror. Um, I love the, uh, we're not talking much about the droid. What was his name? The red droid that E2 EMO. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about him. I got notes on him. You better believe it. We could yeah. talk about him now. Like, yeah. I'm just tied into the end. Like, it's just cool to see that, you know, this droid had all this emotion for yeah. Marva. He's like, I want my Marva back or something yeah. like that. I can't leave her or something. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. These two characters that was imprinted by this woman you know what i'm saying like one's a human one's a robot and it's like they're both in mourning they're both in shock um you know i, I can it's gonna be nice to see them kind of i hope they reunify in this upcoming yeah. finale yeah um, that'd be nice. but no i thought this ending was was good i mean it was a perfect way to set up a finale i mean think about it think about the journey right poor cassian the last he he met with marva she was like you got to go do your thing um, I'm going to do mine. I'm going to stay here and rebel. It's time that the galaxy's changing. 
And he pays off his debts to his friends. And he's like, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. And that's when he gets caught by the prison. You know, he gets caught in prison. He does all that. He breaks out of a prison, which shouldn't be able to be broken out of. It's a prison, but it's, you know, an imperial prison. He's going to be the rest of his life. He goes through all this crap, climbs over this cliff, gets away, does all this and gets the bomb dropped that his mother died. And it's bad for the viewer too, right? Because we open up to this story, this episode, and they don't even show her death. It's off screen. And that's kind of the most frustrating part in a good way. It's like they jump the shark a little bit and it's like they, uh, you know, basically go under expectations. They uh, subvert expectations by saying, oh yeah, you don't even get to see her death. We're, we're just seeing how everybody's reacting to the death. Like this death of this minor character, when you put it this way, minor character in Star Wars sets forward so many critical events in a rebellion that will come with her funeral and we're going to see in this last episode it's crazy to think but yeah i mean i i love the idea that they're just like hey we're not going to show you the death but we're going to show the reaction oh yeah for sure like 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 that was actually a surprise to me as well when when we started the episode it was like oh wow so we're going to just jump it and uh skip the death and keep it moving which i'm fine with because like to me, you know, hey, it keeps the pacing going. Like we didn't, we didn't need to see her death because, like, you know, like you mentioned, she's a minor character in the grand scheme of things, but also a major character because she like sets off several events. It's like the whole butterfly effect thing. You know, it sets off several, several events in the Star Wars universe. So, um, you know, it's good that they did that, and you know, it's it's it is good getting to see the reaction. You know, bouncing around from. Cassian to the ISB, you know, to everybody. Like it's it's good getting to see that type of reaction um laid out overall for her death, I would say. Oh yeah, but B2EMO, man. I mean that droid next to K2SO maybe has the best emotion. I, mean, I wonder why they called him B2EMO. I wonder, I wonder why. But yeah, what a what a <laughs> great performance from a droid just being down in the dumps, man. Like, having that kind of emotion. We've seen L337 with Lando. We've seen K2. There's been a lot of great droids in the last six, seven years uh, that Disney's been putting out these movies, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. That that droid was really cool getting to see that. Um, you know, emotional droid versus, like, a, just, a, like, a static, normal droid. So it, it is cool getting to see him. And it just makes you wonder, too, are they, um, you know, I can't take credit for this, but I saw people, like, talking about it on Twitter. But, like, could we see maybe destroyed, like, his, I don't know, like, his digital code or whatever, like, transferred over into a K2 droid and that, like, be the connection of K2 and Cassie and, like, you know, being, uh, like, going back to it, like, this being that droid, like, kind of how L5 was put into the Falcon, yeah, wow. I, I didn't even think about that. That could be. I, I saw, I saw, I saw a random retweet. So like, I, I can't, I, I can't give any credit this time. But, but it was just like a random retweet, and I was like, oh wow, that's an interesting. Like, it'd be a cool little tidbit because like it connects to his mom, you know, and like I don't know, it just it's kind of a little idea. Hmm. I like the connection. I like the connection a lot. Hmm. I'm very, very curious about that. But we got to talk about 
this awesome space sequence here. Milton, you pointed out how freaking cool it was seeing countermeasures on this Fondor ship, this right. Corellian freighter, if you will. And yeah, let's just let's just lead off with that. What was your Milton, your your further in depth uh, analysis of this scene? Yeah, I, look, I, I think I think what helped me really like that scene was the scene prior to that between Saw and Luthen. Just seeing, you know, that interaction, which then led up to this, knowing that he's heading back to... Well, let's actually skip to another scene prior to that. The exchange that Val had with his clerk. Oh, yeah. You know, so knowing, Clear. like, yep. yeah, that, that the urgency, he needed to be back. So I, I think that put a lot of stakes on his getaway. Knowing that he just had a conflict with with um, mm -hmm. with uh, Saul, which he could have not walked away from. Also, Val needing him to come back, she had to give information to him, and the clerk not knowing where he's at, pretty much. So, seeing that, and also this is him playing that playing a role again. Like he's was about to prepare to get back into that character, but then all of a sudden, the Imperial stopped. But I thought it was gorgeous. So all those scenes made me like the scene even more, and the see. Was this the first space battle we've had in the show? Yep. Okay. Like to me, I thought we were watching a movie. Oh like, yeah. And and this and this is what I'll, I this goes back to my argument I've had recently about the lack thereof of quality in certain shows. Obi Wan should have this type of quality, like literally. Like I'm watching a show about a character that's not as popular as Obi Wan, and the budget they put in just for this. Two, three minute space battle. Are you serious? This felt like I was I watching know. Rogue One. Yeah. It was yeah. Gorgeous. I mean, it was gorgeous. I, I love. And what was that ship called? Do you know what that ship is called? Not not Luthen's, but the uh, Imperial uh, ship. What is it called? Funny you should mention that, Milton. I put up a video on YouTube talking all about oh, the Arrestor yeah. Cruiser. Uh, uh, something class, Calvin class, something like that. Oh my yeah. gosh, why am I forgetting the name? It's the concept artist of Star Wars, Colin Cantwell. It's the Cantwell, Cantwell class. class. They named this ship after the so concept I, artist, which was awesome. Yeah, I've never seen that ship, and if I have, I apologize. I just don't remember it, but for them to introduce that ship into the show was dope, and how he countered that was like, I'm like, oh, he's done. No one gets out of a tractor beam. No, I know. And it's like, oh, okay, like now, now I know how to get out of a tractor beam. You know, from so from this point on in my head canon, moving forward in other Star Wars films, they better get out of track the beams because clearly Luthen did it. Um <laughs> so yeah, it was dope. I, I loved it. It was one of my favorite scenes of the of the whole entire episode. Right. We've seen so many scenes of starships and chases and all. So what can set this one out from the others? That's what I'm always looking at with Star Wars. What fresh new takes are we going to get? Is it just going to be TIE Fighters chasing and they go to light speed? Like, ah, oh, big whoop, there's no danger here. Well, there's danger when you're ca trapped in a, tra a tractor beam and we've never seen what happens to this character before. We've never seen anybody get out of a tractor beam. And for him to do something that was so suspenseful where it's like, oh, he's getting ready. We don't know what he's doing. He's talking to his like droid uh, droid unit in there. And it's like, boom, it just disintegrates the, the dishes. Uh, but, but this ship, it's like... The precursor to kind of a star destroyer sort of but its main idea is like it's an arrestor cruiser it's literally just there to go after pirates to get them with there's like three different tractor beams these dishes of power tractor tractor beam uh to get these people justice so as they heard saul was there on the planet that's why that thing was scrambled out there to, to try to find them but yeah i think that was 
that was pretty neat. And again, like like his ship doing the lightsaber thing, another awesome moment. Like we've never seen yeah. that in Star Wars before. Yes, which was dope. And also him creating like fake documents to like, yeah. you know, thinking, oh, wait, I've never seen that before. I mean, we've seen like kind of glimpses of that, but to me, and this, this is blasphemy, I know I'm going to say it, but like, I'm like, I always thought Anakin and Han Solo were the best pilots in Star Wars. Like this guy, Luthan, we, we, he, we need to explore where he came from. Because clearly you don't fly like that if you're some store merchant. Yeah. You know, yeah. The way he flies, he doesn't fly like some random store merchant. He had to have been part of something. So uh, his background needs to be more explored, whether it's to a book or a comic book. Yeah, Ben, do you have something to say about this? I, I mean, well, first of all... Um, I will throw out there, yeah, that is the, that's a whole podcast for another day on the budgets <laughs> and visuals of these shows because Kenobi not looking like this show is a travesty. Oh, it's a crime. Um, it, it, is a, it is a crime against Star Wars that they <laughs> had the nerve to like give a side character, not even the lead character from Rogue One, the side character from Rogue One that helps the lead this type of a budget compared to Kenobi, or forget Kenobi, even Book of Boba Fett. Like, like... Those are legacy characters. It's just like, when I, when I see stuff like this, I just shake my head, because it's like, what could have Kenobi been with this budget? That's that's what I wonder. Um, but in terms of the whole sequence, I thought it was really good. Like, you know, of course, uh, finding out about the Cantwell, um, like, that's a cool, like, callback um, that they did that for, like, the concept artist. I thought that was nice. And then... Just the whole the whole sequence played out really well. Like, I thought all the Luthan stuff was really good, but neither of you actually mentioned one of the parts that I, I noted um, to myself to bring up during this sequence was the Imperials at the time. Like, you talk about, like, in real life, um, you know, there's plenty of people that deal with, like, bad cops and stuff. Like, they literally said, when he, when he basically said, I'm innocent, whatever, blah, 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 they said, oh, let's just let's just run this test anyways. Let's, let's board and run the test anyways. Like, Hey, let's just, let's just test it out. Like, like that's abusing, abusing power and stuff. Like you see that type of stuff in real life. So it was kind of cool. Like seeing more of the bad side of the empire, basically just saying, screw the rules. We're just going to go and board this dude's ship anyways, and probably end up killing him. Cause he'll probably try to fight us off. Like I thought that was a really good little subtle thing they put in there. Yeah. It just shows you how just, bad the empire i mean we've so many so many references of like why the empire sucks why the empire is fascist and why they are just guys and jerks and the show just continues to make them even more of just yeah. despicable like ah th this is you know alderaan they are a very respectable uh, uh part of the empire ah screw it we're gonna just bring them in anyway we're gonna have oh, yeah. we're gonna I practice on the ship here doing this whole procedure yeah we're gonna inconvenience this guy who cares yeah Oh yeah, they, and you know, you know, if he would have fought back, they would have like taken him out. Mm -hmm. um, but here's my thing, and I'm and I'm sure this is what you were alluding to, Chris, when you like asked me about this whole sequence. Um, so here's a fun thing: I definitely can't take credit for this at all. This is purely John Campia bringing it up on his show. Um, he has a theory, and no, I haven't seen anybody talk about it yet at all, except for him. And his theory is. Okay, so when Luthen goes to meet with Saul Guerrero, and I went back and watched that scene again and paused it, and it won million percent. Like, okay, so when he goes to meet with Saul, 
like he meets that guard first and he hands him something. And if you pause and look at it, it 1000% looks like he's handing him a lightsaber. That's his cane though. What do you say? That's a cane. That's not a lightsaber. See, uh, I don't know. Is it? I mean, <laughs> you see it in episode two. He gets off of the little space bus to freaking Ferrex and he extends it. And then when he walks into town, he takes it back off and puts it in his pocket. So he looks like he's I mean, stronger. It's a very nuanced, a very little tiny detail. But I noticed it on like the well, third watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we ha they have that possibility. I mean, then again, Darth Maul was using his as a cane. Because um, here's the thing with, with my whole my whole idea with it. Um, here in camp, you talk about it. So, like, say if that was, you know, he already handed Cassie in a kyber crystal earlier in the series. Yeah, that like, was what suspect. If, what if this guy was, like, a former temple guard with one of those double-bladed lightsabers? And then, you know, we see his piloting skills. It's <laughs> like, okay, like, is this guy potentially a former Jedi? And, like, my thing with it is, you know, we don't even have to see him, like, whip a lightsaber out, like, it, it would, in my opinion, if he would turn out to be a former Jedi, it would be, it would make his character even that much more interesting, especially after his whole big speech in the last episode of having to, like, give up so much in his life and blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. Because, you know, say what you want about Star Wars, but at the end of the day, the core of Star Wars is the Force and Jedi and Sith and, like, good versus bad. Like no matter what it what no matter what it comes down mm -hmm. to, it always comes down to the force being involved. Like we didn't think that with Rogue One, and then we get Leia and Vader being involved with it. Like they're to me, I think whether it be this season or next, I feel like we will get some type of a, a force presence. And maybe that maybe that could be Luthan. Like I'm if I had to guess, like, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would still say it's very low that he's a Jedi. It's maybe just, hey, he's just, uh, he's just, you know, collecting old things like the Kyber Crystal and things like that. Like, he's collecting these items, like, as, you know, like a, like a museum type person or whatever, mm -hmm. like, as the cover. But maybe not. Maybe he's, maybe it's the whole, like, hiding in plain sight type deal in the Empire, not even realizing it. So, like, I think there's a chance... If I had to put a percentage on it, I would say it's maybe maybe a 15% chance of him being a Jedi. Yeah, Milton, anything to say about this? Uh, I mean, uh, it, I mean, if he's a Jedi, okay, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't see the indicators. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not saying Ben's wrong, but I just don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't see indicators of him doing that. Now, again, I if his background indicates that, okay, then I'm then that's what's up. They hit it well. Um, then what happened to him? But I don't know. I just I just hope his uh, I hope well, they get him off because I mean you know he ain't surviving long term. Well, here's my thing. Just to throw in there with that is if he was, let's say, let's for all intents and purposes, say he was. I mean, Tony Gilroy, he knows how to do it. Like he did it with Rogue One. We only saw Vader for literally one scene, basically. Right. So like my thing is if he is, oh, if he would turn out to be a Jedi, like, it's going to literally be just for one type thing. Like, there'll only be, like, one scene maybe we see anything related to that whatsoever, um, if at all, just because of Tony Gilroy wanting to do it as kind of, like, you know, I mean, I mean that's how he did it with Rogue One. Like, Rogue One, you didn't have to have Vader at the end. Like, they could have done something else. They could have had a bunch of Death Troopers or... You know, they, they could have done anything else other than Vader, but they still 
use the force at the end. And like to me, I would be stunned if we get through maybe not this season, but we're probably going to get through into next season. The force is going to be involved somehow. Mm. Yeah, maybe we'll have some of the Rebels crew joining in on on that episode crossover when Mon Mothma gets rescued or something like that. But uh, one last point I want to talk about here is I don't know if you guys felt iffy about the storyline, but the whole thing that was going on with this this pilot uh, that the Empire was tracking down, but killing indiscriptly and all this, this anti-Kriegers guy. And that whole plot line kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like, we don't see anything about it. We're just hearing about anecdotes and things. And it's kind of like, oh, what is really happening? But we actually... I feel like they, they addressed that really well with the conversation with Saul. The fact that we actually get to see good old Anton Krieger in hologram form and how the Empire thinks that he's Axis. So that storyline to me has come come around and definitely come to fruition. Um, and, and let's just talk about the Saul scene in general. What, what was your thoughts on that one, Ben? Um, I've... I mean, I really liked it. His whole his whole scene. I I like Saul in general in this whole series so far, um, just because he hasn't become like his Rogue One self like that. <laughs> um, but I've I've liked his character a lot actually in this in this. And I'm like, man, I hope we see more of him like in action, um, just in general in this series. Just because he was doing he um, the actor's name, Force Whitaker. Force Whitaker is doing a really good acting job i would say and like to me he's one of those characters kind of like billy d williams like uh, billy d williams even mark hamill like he can step back into the role and it feels like it's still him like you know it's not like to me there are moments for example in force awakens where it doesn't feel like harrison ford is han solo like it feels like harrison ford more than han solo sometimes so like to me you know Saul um force whitaker does a really good job of like stepping into the saul guerrero role i think really well and then, you know, his whole, like, conversation, like, I think all of this stuff, it's building up, like, it has to be building to something, you know, right? Like, in my opinion, like, it, I, I don't know, I just don't think we're going to keep cutting back to Saul, cutting back to Saul, cutting back to Saul without something, you know, there has to be a payoff, right? Like, you know, there has to be something we're leading to with him getting like involved involved like in a battle or something along those lines oh yeah oh yeah it's uh i i would you know they're they're prepping for this battle they're sacrificing he said that uh, 30 soldiers but it's like this really high high stakes moment right we've seen moments where luthan's in a blaster battle We've seen him fighting in a ship in the Fondor moments after this. We're seeing him having the guts to put a blaster up to one of the leaders of the rebellion in the middle of all these forces standing around them. Just like, yeah, I'm just doing this because I got to get you to listen to me. Like, dude, you could have just got capped like right there by like <laughs> several people and you had the guts to do that. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was, it was again, I it was a great scene. It was one of my favorite favorite verbal scenes in this whole entire like series thus far. I love Forrest Whitaker as an actor. I mean, I love Saul Guerrero, but every time I see his character, I don't know. I just love, I think of the Borg gullet scene. <laughs> oh, I just can't. I love that scene so much. I don't know why. That's yeah. crazy. You know, like he's just a psycho. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time though, like Forrest Whitaker, I mean, and it's funny. I think Luthen was to kind of manipulate him. Oh yeah. 
a little bit, but then I think I think Forrest Whitaker like was trying to test him too, because like you notice when he said you know the greater good and and uh, uh, Saul's like yeah yeah the greater good I know like he's like okay yeah I realize we need to kill people like we need to sacrifice us to 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 win and it's like dude you knew the whole time but I I think Forrest or Saul is just a paranoid oh, guy yeah so I think they're just playing cat and mouse the whole time in my opinion but it's just so cool to see star wars do so well with the spy thriller genre and this scene proves it where it's like we have this guy anton krieger and one of his dudes got caught so the empire's springing a trap on us if we don't if we don't basically attack they're gonna know something's up and then our source is gonna be destroyed at that point so we got no choice if we want the rebellion to, to still have a chance we basically have to send in men to just die we can't even tell them what they're doing and it's like that's the stuff that leaders have to deal with in the military it's like the the greater good is just it's terrible and this is what hardened saul over time to be this guy that we see just living life with like one leg and one arm and breathing out of a tube like by the way, and, and Battling Boston's in our YouTube chat pointed this out. He's saying about the the, the, the whole thing where like, he's like, Sogar's like, what's your source? Who's your source in it? Who's the spy? <laughs> it's like two tubes. It's like, yes, because then two tubes is like, wait, what? Like, I'm not part of this. I like that. I, I, got, I got a little kick out of that interaction. Yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean but that's how we would react, though. Someone accuses of being a, uh, a spy. I'm like, yo, I'm like, you know, like, what? I, I didn't say nothing. So it was, it was cool. That was a good scene. Oh man! Oh, yeah. So we gotta we gotta catch up with Cyril. How are we feeling about Cyril and his old buddy contacting <laughs> him on like the most sketchy like TV in well, Star Wars? That was I'll, so I'll say funny. This. I'll say this. This is you can record. This is what you know, November the 18th. This is probably the only scene I liked of him thus far. Like he's he's still he's still trash, but he, he's the only scene that I've liked of him because it because it actually did something. Like uh, okay, I will say the last two scenes I've liked with him was this one and Dead right? It, it was track down old girl at the I, ISB when he like pulled uh, Debra. Yep. Okay, those two scenes were good. That's it. Like and because then okay, now we know he's going to go to the planet. He's going to try to deal with Andor himself. Yep. You know, like I can, we can see that interaction. I can see him pulling in Debra and saying, "Hey, can you come with me?" One, I think he's in love with her, and mm-hmm. two, he can try to you know go to her directly and say, "Come with me and deal with this shit." But like, um, yeah, he's still garbage. But yeah, these last couple scenes, he's been okay. Yeah, Ben, what'd you think about that? I don't. Every time, I just can't help it when when I see a picture of of. Cyril or any any anything in him in the series, I just always think of Milton now Same. at this point. Like I see Cyril, I see Cyril and I just instantly think Milton. <laughs> yep. Like that's that's what instantly that's my correlation with that character now. I just think Milton. Like instantly as soon as I see that character. Um but uh but no, that scene, like Milton said, I think it was his best scene next to to me, like you alluded to, Milton, maybe he's in love with her. Something it, like his scene where he met her outside of the workplace type deal, basically, like that was kind of like the crazy boyfriend stalker, you know, meeting the the girl in a movie type thing, yeah. in my opinion. And, and I, I think she was in it, low key. I think she was into him, low key. 
Yeah, just... yeah. I, I could, I could, I could definitely see something coming out of that, maybe because there you know, has I'm... to, there has to be a payoff, right? Because right? I noticed even in their interviews that they do. Because I went back and actually looked at like who this, who the actress was, and I was looking at her interview. She's always with him in the interviews. Mm, interesting. Something well, are they are they alluding something? Or are these two gonna like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. with each other? So that's why I think he's into her, but go ahead. Yeah, I think I mean I definitely think there's a possibility with that. That's really interesting though, now that you point that out about the actors being together. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, I, I just thought it was done really well. And again, we uh we just automatically assume everything in Star Wars is like high tech. And then he's making like the sketchiest possible phone call available type thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, our our iPhones right now get better to like service on sketchy Wi-Fi than than that call was making. Like, it um, just, yeah, it brought yeah, me on. so much joy to see that character again. Uh, I forget yeah. the character's name, but again, like, I know you guys are like, oh, the first five episodes, eh. but it's cool to see like them calling back stuff even from like episode three. Like, oh, you remember that guy that was like all up in his face? Like, oh, wake I, up! Like I, he's he's at the Morlana one factory. He's like on a factory line now, and he's like, yeah. oh, I gotta wait for the smelter to shut up so I can start talking again. Like, I just loved like just the 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 whole feel of of this conversation. It was just so bizarre. Well, uh, all right, I will throw that out there. So, yeah, don't get me wrong. First four or five episodes are my major issue with this series. But it was cool seeing that character being the one calling Cyril. And also, I wonder, too, what does, like, I don't know, what's a Star Wars cell phone look like? Like, you know, what's he calling off of? Like, like, what's it look like, the device? Like, I would be interested to see what those look like. Um, We see them. They have a couple payphones. We see Andor talking. Oh yeah, one. that's true. I bet you it's true. like one of those, the space payphones. <laughs> God, that's that's so crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it was cool seeing him. Um, and again, it finally, finally, man, you talk about a slow burn series. Like, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of slow burn stuff in this series, but finally, eleven episodes in, we finally get a direction for Cyril. <laughs> Um, it's, it's taken a long time, but we're finally here. So at least we know. I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, what do you guys think? Does Cyril go and like blow the Empire's trap and mess everything up? Like, like, because he's got to be included in the fi- finale somehow. Yeah. The, the the best case scenario here is the fact that Cyril decides to pursue Andor, takes a detour at Morlana One, and brings his good old buddy with him. And that'll get the biggest rise out of me. I will I will literally just... That is the best thing that could happen to the episode. If I see those two guys working together to take down Andor, I'm going to be so happy because maybe he'll need backup and Daedra sure as hell doesn't give a crap about him at this point and thinks he's a creep. So he's going to get somebody to watch his back going after this guy that already had him basically in bondage the first time. So it's like, hmm. But you know, I, I, I think that uh, there, there could be some... Interested. There's just so many wild cards in this finale. We could we can just get into our prediction, our quick predictions for the finale. Um, what could happen, right? Because we're gonna have what's obviously happened on Ferrix. That's you know, uh, Death Troopers are seen in the trailer. We haven't seen them yet. They're searching around the trailer. We've seen a big riot of the Minban looking uh, Imperials with the the Veers helmets with the riot shields going against the 
the public in a mass. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. So there's going to be some big moments that are that are coming. But I, I do hope that it's not dealt with off screen with the stuff with, stuff with Saw. I don't know if they're going to have the budget to have like a huge ass dog fight with all that stuff because we sure as hell haven't seen anything about it. But I would love to see that. I, uh, you know, I, I, I still say this. I hope the end of the episode uh, gets Saul's forces to maybe unite with Mon Mothma's forces with uh, or Mon Mothma and with Luthen. And maybe we'll see Bail Organa even in the finale. The last scene will be like, this is the the formation of the Rebel Alliance, you know, and it's like you got Admiral Akbar there. You got um, what's his face that dies, the other Mon Cal guy, um, yep. Admiral Radis. I want to see that happen, but I feel like the show is so much in a microcosm with just like one planet that that stuff might not happen until season two. But that's what my hopes are. Um, I'll throw it to Milton there. Yeah. Um, no, I think for my prediction, I think because uh, I didn't get to, like you said, there's a trailer that came out for this episode already or episode 12. No, I was just saying about the trailer that we got in the beginning of the season. Oh, stuff I've oh seen. yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, prediction for episode 12, I mean, I mean, obviously we're going to have some people lose their lives. I think we're going to lose a major character. I think we, we're going to have to. Um, I can see it being Luthen. I can see it being uh, uh, Debra, maybe. But that can see, I can see them bringing her back for season two because she has been. I've, li I've liked her character. Um, but I, I can see Luthen being sacrificed because there's only, only supposed to be two seasons of this show. So... He ha he would have to go so Andor can become the guy he needs to become. I feel I feel like that's essential. So my prediction is that Luthen's going to die. Hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm looking at the future, and you know, flashbacks are always a thing. But he was like, definitely like, oh, I'm shooting season two. <laughs> it's like the world, world, real world stuff gets in the way sometimes, and I'm uh -oh. like, son of a gun, you know. Oh, so Luthen's coming back. I mean. It could be flashbacks. Maybe they'll show him as a Jedi in season two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, flashbacks I'm cool with, but I think in present time, I think because I mean, yeah, this the season two leads up to Rogue One. That's what we were told. So, and at that point, it's Captain Andor. You know, he he's mm. in the right now. He's not really in the rebellion. People need he's, to understand he's not a part of the rebellion yet. He just was a hired hand. He's a contractor. But here's so, the thing. Yeah, 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 but but Luthen has to survive to introduce Andor to the Greater Rebellion. Like, Andor doesn't have any other contacts that we know well, of at this point that would actually have him to get an in with these higher ups, you know. But but Val and that clerk chick oh, knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So knows. something maybe because Val wants to kill him. Oh at yeah, one point. they're gonna have so, they're gonna have an interaction between those two for sure because she's going back there and that's got to be resolved. Right, so I can see Luthen dying, but then Val saying, "Well, no, he's been a good, good asset. Let's keep him around. Let me introduce him to my sister." You oh, know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. My cousin, I mean, yeah. So we're good. Yeah, ben, I mean, what are your predictions? I think, I think there's a lot of different ways um, this finale could go, but my main thinking is we're gonna have the Empire set up the trap off screen. And then uh, the trap of the funeral off screen. And then you're going to have Cassian. We're going to have scenes of Cassian probably feeling, feeling crappy because he's not going to the funeral. So we're going to get some type of a travel sequence of him somehow getting there. 
And then that's when probably things will pick up, I would say. Like, we'll have him at the funeral, probably sneaking around. And then we know Cyril is going to be on the way there. So, you know, it'll be more stakes for us. So, like, I think we'll get to a point where it could almost be like you're not comedic, obviously, because it's a funeral, but it's like the ironic thing of, like, we're at the funeral, Cassian looks over, and then he, like, gets eye contact with Cyril or something. You know what I mean? Like, you have that trope in movies, like, where the bad guy meets the good guy, like, in, in a public place type deal. Like, I think we're going to get something like that, where they meet, Cyril probably makes a move, and then, it, you know, everything goes crazy between the public, the Empire, the, you know, everyone's like, oh, get him, get him. Like, you know, I think it's going to be something along those lines, where Cyril is probably going to be the one to spring the trap. Um, and then... In terms of who dies, I don't know. Like you said, Luthen Luthen won't, especially now that Chris told us that <laughs> that interview stuff about him doing season two. Um, but I could see some of the other characters dying, like Val, um, because if she's wanting to kill Cassian, Cassian's probably going to take her out. Like because mm -hmm. we've seen Cassian just kill people before, so oh, yeah. it's it would not it would not. Um, surprise me one bit if he just takes her out without even a question or, or hesitation i guess i would say especially at this point where he's pretty much already like you know things can't get any worse now at this point so uh i think we get we'll see her probably get taken out i think deidre might end up being our our uh kind of our kind of our our like our guy from our guy from Star Wars Rebels was uh Callus. She's going to be kind of like that, I think. I think she's going to be our main villain for this whole series where she's going to be like constantly kind of chasing Cassian and the group of rebels type deal. Like it'll be her her specialty, her thing she's chasing. I think okay. she'll be probably fine. Mm. But yeah, I can definitely see some of the other side rebel characters like Val and those type of characters getting taken out. And oh, then yeah. I do think we'll get the whole meeting of you know like you mentioned chris the meeting of mon mothma and cassian or even cassian getting introduced to more higher up rebel people because the thing is are we you know we, we got to get to some point where they're going to meet yeah i uh my again my finally my guess will be vel uh, i'm just thinking about his Th suthra or whatever her last name is She's a connected character on many fronts, right? If she dies, Mon Mothma's going to be affected. Mon Mothma's going to be like, oh, crap. Like, you know, this is real. I got to get my crap together. And then on the other hand, there's a love interest between her and Cinta, who is the person on the ground doing these rebellion activities. So she's got a direct connection to multiple entities, which could have an interesting reaction going forward for many different reasons. Um... Finishing up, let's just give this, uh, the episode a score out of 10 like we usually do. I'm going to throw it over to Ben this time, since Milton opened up with his first impressions. I'll let you give your score out of 10 and your impressions and your final thoughts now. Yeah, I would say overall the episode was pretty good. It had um, the only issue, the only hiccup of the episode was the one with the aliens with the quad jumper thing, because mm -hmm. it was just so like weirdly done, where they went from like basically saying, hey, we're capturing you to, mm -hmm. hey we're helping you like in like a minute. So I don't know, that was done pretty strangely. Other than that though, the entire episode I thought was very good. Like all the stuff with Luthen, whether it be the ship or the Saul Guerrero stuff and the stuff with Cassian was done really well. Um, and then of course the stuff with Mon Mothma, like her getting introduced more to like having more of a conflict than just her writing the checks. 
Uh, so we're going to see more of that get paid off in the next episode. And then, you know, of course, Cyril, like, this was his best stuff probably of the series, which isn't saying much because that bar was set pretty low, but <laughs> it, they did pretty good with his stuff because it it was most intriguing to me, like you mentioned, Chris, because he made the call back or, like, he got a call from that guy like we've seen earlier in the series, like that. I thought that made that scene the most interesting mm-hmm. was that whole, like, interaction of him, like, you know, Cyril going like, wait, what are you saying? Like, you know, like, you know, that whole suspense of is the call going to drop before he gets the information? I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, and then, yeah, overall, I thought the episode was pretty good. Uh, and for me, I would have to give it an 8.5 out of 10. 8.5 out of 10 from Ben. I'll give my thoughts and my score. So as I always judge most Star Wars things, I go for the connectivity of different things that it goes around and has that uh, cohesive uh, connective tissue and other uh, things and lots of Rogue One connections. Not like straightforward, but I was saying like as part of a character's journey um, for Cassian and seeing the beautiful symmetry between those things is uh, some of the best Star Wars symmetry I've seen so far between different projects is is incredible. Uh, seeing new things in Star Wars is always another thing that will bump my score up. Seeing like we were talking about the pretty good Lance there with Milton opening up about the cool space uh, interaction with what's going on there. with But then also the, the whole idea of the, the constant theme in this episode is what will you sacrifice? We've seen what Luthen will sacrifice last episode. We're seeing what Saul is going to sacrifice, his own man. We're seeing what Mon Mothma is going to sacrifice, basically her or her own daughter, even though she knows how it is to be stuck in that situation. So fantastic stuff. And also seeing a droid lamenting the loss of, of his basically master to the point where I've never seen that before. Uh, this is easily a 9 out of 10. I'm leaving room for the finale to, to blow me away there. So I'm, I've just been doing straight 9s across the board. This is probably more... Yeah, this is a good 9. Uh, but I, I'll also agree with you, Ben. As I said, I was like, I couldn't understand what these guys were saying. What's happening in the scene? It's These guys are creeping me out uh, in a good way. That's kind of cool that Star Wars is provoking me. They'll be like, ooh. But um, yeah, so that, that's the negative. And also, eh, it's not really a negative completely. But I'm like, I needed more I needed more Dedra in this episode. I was like, ah, she's oh. one of the most compelling characters. And we've barely seen her, but we'll, we'll see plenty of her uh, on next week's episode. I'm going to throw it over to you, Milton. Yeah, overall, I like this episode. It was a really solid episode. It definitely did its job after that prison break episode so um pacing was good you know again i think i think these last five to six episodes have really done a good job at pacing and pushing the narrative forward um i'm looking forward to the finale overall i would have to grade this particular episode probably a 8.75 out of 10 8.75 out of 10 a 9 for me and an 8.5 from Ben. Let us know in the comment section down below what you think of episode 11 of season 1 of Andor. Let us know. Drop your scores in below for Daughter of Ferrix. Let us know what your predictions are too. We have a whole week before we get to see this or less than a week as we're recording this. So let us know. We're getting this episode on Thanksgiving Eve for all of us in in, in America here. It's going to be a nice way to get into a couple days off. A lot of us will have off for, for Thursday, Black Friday, big, big weekend coming up. And I uh, definitely want to send everybody out there. Uh, hopefully everybody has a great holiday, enjoys your, your time with your family or your friends or, or whatever your traditions are. Uh, hope you stay safe and enjoy your time. But um, yeah, fantastic episode, guys. Uh, breaking down that episode 
as we always do here every single week, every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern. You'll find us here, same place, next week. Make sure to go ahead and tell your friends about us. We'd love for you guys to get more people in our our Star Wars community of positive people here. Um, we had Dark Nerdy Gonzo in the, in, the, in the chat room here. We had Sean Stratton, who apparently uh, has experience or knows of working in areas with smelters. Because, yeah, he says, try using a cell phone in a steel smelter area. They don't work. So, yeah, Star Wars with realism there, folks. It's happening. They're doing their homework over there at Lucasfilm. So, yeah, we had Battling Boston's in there as well. Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Matthew Negabauer from the Ion Cannon Podcast. Check it out. He was there with us tonight. So, lots of people. And you could be one of them just by, you know, subscribing to the Star Raptor YouTube channel. Hit that bell icon. You'll be notified as soon as we go live. But what are you guys going to be up to this week? Milton, do you have any traditions for Thanksgiving? couple days off? Um, I mean, spending time with family, like what we normally do. Um, I know normally I do something on Black Friday with my brothers and sisters, so we'll definitely be getting together next Friday for sure. Um, Thanksgiving on Thursday, obviously, but I'm actually going to be cooking part of the meal this year, so wow. I'm contributing my own little way. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this upcoming holiday. It's going to be nice to have a lot of time off from work because it's, it's very much needed. Yeah, you got to get those mental breaks in there and recharge, man. It's all about uh, just just living in the moment on those days off and just soaking it all in. Soaking it all yep. in and hopefully sure. you recharge. Sure. Yeah, what about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, we're just getting ready for Thanksgiving and Black Friday and all of this good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, for me personally, when it comes to like non-family like like things, like I'm, I'm just going to be taking a diet break this week, just maintaining, <laughs> maintaining all week, just because it's like, I've been dieting so long. I'm down another pound this week. Nice. So that's nice. Yep. So, so this coming week, basically, you know, as people know, when you diet, uh, like for weeks on end, you get tired of mm-hmm. it. And so this could, this week being Thanksgiving week, I'm not going to try to like totally restrict and like diet and stuff. So I'm just going to like, just eat at maintenance, maintain my weight for the week and then just resume it in a week and a half. Um, so you know, I'm looking forward to it starting Monday, just kind of diet break in, continuing to lift, of course, because, you know, got to keep lifting. But, uh, but yeah, so it should be a pretty good relaxing week. And then, yeah, you know, just talking Star Wars with everybody, like whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, like it's always fun, like talking about Star Wars, talking about sports, especially, um, you know, like with it being like the football season, me and Milton being like really big into football, we're excited about our teams. Um, well, especially Milton's team. My my team oh, isn't yeah. doing well, but you know it's a it's a great it's a great time of year. And then of course just trying to stay warm during all of this uh, snowy snowy nasty weather. So you know just pretty much doing the same old fitness stuff, sports stuff, video games, and consuming awesome nerdy content. Yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. There should be plenty next week. Uh, you know, for updates on my channel, I'm not going to get my videos up at the timely manner I usually do because, well, as we all mentioned, it's going to be the holiday next week. So uh, I'll have stuff out at some point, probably later on next week. We'll, we'll put it that way. If you guys are paying attention, uh, want to want to see the comic book stuff, it's probably not going to come out till like Saturday or Sunday or something like that. But anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us here. Where, where can they find you? Ben, you're at Real Ben Maynard on Twitter, right? On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Real Ben Maynard. 
And Milton, you're at Milton Weber seven. Yep, Milton Weber seven on Twitter or Milton seven Weber on Instagram. All right. Well, and you can find me as always on Twitter at Star Raptor. Uh, Twitter is still up and running, everybody. For now, they say that's where you can find all of us. <laughs> But on that note, we're going to leave it here for episode number 83 of Outer Rim Transmission. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Be safe. Have a happy holiday. May the force be with you. We will see you here next week in transmission.